Welcome to Scalable and Saleable. We find out what great entrepreneurs have done to scale their businesses to millions. Stay right here for the next few minutes to leverage validated methodologies for growth and create a way more scalable and a more sellable business for yourself. Let's get started. Thank you so much for being here. I should do this. Um, <laughs> would you mind telling our audience a little bit more about who you are and what your business is? Sure. My name is William Santana Lee. I'm the chairman and CEO of Nightscope. Um, we build autonomous security robots. Uh, so in this day and age, with all the AI craziness, we work for Big Brother. Uh, all the robots are coming. They're going to kill everyone and take everyone's job. And that's kind of what we're working on. No, just kidding. Um, so Ooh. we have this crazy mission at Nightscope to uh, try to see if we can make the U.S. the safest country in the world. And what we're building for the last 10 years is a profound new set of technologies that combine four very difficult things into one really complicated one, which is autonomy, robotics, AI, and electric vehicle technology uh, to give officers and guards really smart eyes and ears and their voice on the ground in multiple locations uh, across the country at the same time. And, um, you know, yeah. we... It's been, it's been a long trek to get all the stuff uh, built, but uh, you know we're we're excited that uh, we've continued to grow and and making some good progress. That's amazing. I mean, if I were president, I would load up every school in America with all of your robots. That'd be the first. That'd be the first move. Like get them all, cover the campus with those. Oh, things. I mean, that's actually Jeff. That's part of the problem. Um, I love our country, but it's structurally flawed in this particular regard. And, you know, it might be helpful for the audience because uh, a lot of folks may not know this, but, you know, for the U.S. Department of Defense, we have an $800 billion budget and we give the troops every level of capability you might ever imagine. And so there's a North or, North of Grumman, a Lockheed Martin, a Raytheon, a Boeing to build a soldier, whatever he or she might need in a, in a theater of war. Uh, on our own soil, we do not have that mechanism. Uh, the U.S. Department of Justice and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security have no federal jurisdiction over 19,000 law enforcement agencies and 8,000 private security firms. There's no one single person in charge. There's no risk capital. There's no real innovation process. Uh, and that's why crime and terrorism has a $2 trillion annual negative economic impact on the U.S. every single year. Wow. And so I think there's a huge opportunity for the private sector uh, to work with the public sector and reimagine public safety and and obviously uh, this has been top of mind uh not only at the at the white house but through congress and at the state and local levels yeah that's incredible well you've grown a company uh all the way to publicly traded what do you attribute your growth to oh jeff it's super easy everyone should do it like you know uh it was all smooth sailing you know <laughs> we hit every powerpoint like you know, graph, everything went, you know, perfectly uh, sane. Yeah, so, I mean, just to, statistically speaking, um, to found a company, get it funded, grow it, uh, take it public, and then buy a company in, the, in that same year is, is what we've done over the last uh, 10. Actually, tomorrow, uh, April 4th, is our 10-year uh, anniversary of the founding. I night. forgot to get you a card. <laughs> um. I think my, my strongest advice I could give uh, to any founder or entrepreneur or, or someone thinking about doing something is it's extremely difficult. It'll tax you emotionally, psychologically, 
physically, mentally. Um, I often say you'll have your worst day of your life and the best day, probably on the same day within a few hours of each other. It's a huge you made it. <laughs> and and the the thing that I always try to encourage is to make sure that whatever the founder chose to work on, that she or he has an almost irrational passion around the subject because you will be challenged. Um, the analysts, the, the, the media recruits, suppliers, your investors, your board, your management team, you're going to get challenged every which way, almost 24 seven. And if you don't believe to the bone in what you're doing, how the hell are you going to get someone else to, to follow you? Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know, you gotta be careful with it, but in a lot of cases, um, I, I think if my my team and I hadn't done some, frankly, irrational, stupid, illogical things along the way, you and I wouldn't be on this call right now. Um, yeah. You've got to be willing to go to the mat and, and get really hardcore about, okay, uh, we need to grow this. And I hear all the people complaining and throwing rocks at you and putting banana peels in front of you and trying to get you to trip up. But if you really, really believe down to the core and you're willing to fight uh, to the to the end, then likelihood you have much better chance of success. Because remember, 95% of startups fail plus or minus. So you, you're already stacked against you. So you better pick something that you're in love with, fascinated with, uh, or as my wife would say, possessed. Yeah, your wife sounds awesome. Amen to that. Um uh, I'm sure you've learned a lot along the way and, and based off of all those past experiences of where you did fight till the end and then kept going yep. uh, to the next, it's the end and then kept going uh, based off of all those experiences um, and the, the ride that you've had. If you were coming into a totally different business, what do you think would be some of the first things that you would look into to start growing the next company? Um, I, I don't, for me personally, there isn't a next one. Um, I meant what I said, which is we, you know, I was born in New York city. Someone hit my town on nine 11. I'm still profoundly pissed off about it. So mm-hmm. the rest of my life I'm dedicating to better securing our country. I had a sitting congressman, you know, sit at our office one time and say to me, Hey, Bill, this is going to take a long time. You know, I used to sit on a city council and you know, if you're going to try to get a contract from a municipality or a city, you know, you're nine, 12, 18 months. Um, and, you know, this is going to be a long slog to get out. And I'm like, well, Congressman, the country's over 200 years old. We're under 46 presidents. No one's fixed this problem. I've already put with my team nearly 10 years into this. We're prepared to sit for another 10 to 20 to 30 years to force the win. And, you know, that kind of set him back. He's like, okay, you're not thinking about this, you know, short, medium term. I'm like, no, we could have, I could have taken the company public and sold all my shares and go sit on a beach somewhere. Right. And I, you know, I haven't sold a single share and don't plan to. Um, so to me, it's very much a focus on the, on the mission as opposed to, oh, let's do the next startup or let's do the, the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I meant you need to pick something that you are deeply passionate about, you shouldn't be uh, wandering off uh, looking for the next shiny object. Yeah. 
Um, how do you maintain that on those days where you you did get your ass kicked? Oh, you mean every day? Um, yeah. How do you hold hold that? <laughs> yeah. So my how ongoing you... my on my ongoing uh, nutritional uh, joke is the a founder's diet. The founder's diet is you get punched in the face for breakfast, you get kicked in the stomach for lunch, and then you get body slammed for dinner. Then you got to wake up the next morning, smile on camera and have a, a good chat with Jeff. Um, <laughs> so I, I think part of it, you, you know, I'm the, guessing the, there's a lot of uh, death metal on those guitars. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I'm a, I'm a metal I don't yeah. a former metalhead. I'm still a metalhead. But I, I think um, it probably the basics, you know, get some sleep, you know, doing 10 years of 100 hour weeks is hard. Um, you, you do have to try to take a little bit of time to clear your head, even if it's for a few hours, go for a walk, get some exercise, mm -hmm. careful what you eat. Um, but I, I think the trick for me, and this is hard to do, but the trick for me is the concept of negative fuel. Like, Maybe it's the New Yorker in me, but the more you tell me no, the more you take a shot at me, yeah. the more you tell me this is not possible, the harder I'm going to punch back. Yeah. And you just take that anger, rage, mo whatever, and turn it into motivation. Mm -hmm. And it's not always easy to do. You know, everyone's human. Uh, mm -hmm. Someone takes a shot at you. It kind of is uh, is can be very taxing, especially if it's day in and day out. And some of it's subtle and some of it not so much. But again, back to my same point, you better pick something that you really believe in, that you're willing to sit there and take that shot, and then have enough strength in you to, to punch back. Yeah. If you could go back 10 years uh, to when you were first starting the company and say one thing to slightly younger you, what would you say? Oof. I don't know how I would have done it. And if I look back at the issues that, um, you know, Nightscope has tackled, what we're, what we're doing is technically very difficult. Just forget the market, forget finance or anything else. Just the, the actual technology is really hard. Uh, the market we're going after is not necessarily, um, you know, law enforcement security professionals are not the most technologically astute or savvy part of the economy. Uh, to try to put it politely. Um, so you're, you're going against the grain, you know, twice over. Um, I don't know how I would have done it. I'm an ex-automotive executive, you know, like back in Detroit, I used to lose a half a billion in, or a billion in rounding. Um, you know, in the real world, that's a lot of money. And, you know, if there was a way, I wish I would have had a chance to think through how to finance the company uh, a little bit more aggressively in terms of amounts. Um, we've been kind of short staffed, not enough resources for all we do. Uh, most people don't realize So we, we design everything. We engineer, uh, all these, uh, all the technology, all the electrical firmware, telecom, uh, software, et cetera. Uh, we physically build the machines, we deploy them and we support them across the country. Um, that's a very large undertaking. And, you know, I, I think, um, uh, capital formation, I, I probably would have, I'm not sure what I would have done, but the one that thing I would have noted to myself is like, Hey, you need to go raise a lot more money than, than you might think. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's been hard. You know, when we started the company, 
uh, April of 13, everyone told us, you know, this was the, this was the first year of fundraising. It literally, literally took me 364 days to raise a, a measly seed round of a million or a million and a half dollars. Cause we were told the following, uh, Hey, Bill, you're out of your mind. This will never work. Um, it's hardware and software too complicated. You should pick one and physical security is not an investment thesis. You need to go away. And so when you get punched in the face like that, uh, I live here in Silicon Valley, like, you know, a hundred or $200 billion goes into startups every year. And you're having a difficult time raising the initial tranche of capital. You know, there's some headwinds coming, but I didn't like that answer. So yeah. we, you know, financially engineered what we needed or could do uh, to get this far. But that, that probably be the one thing it, it you know, most investors or LPs would tell you like, yeah, whatever the founder or CEO says, it's probably going to take twice as long and cost twice as much. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's not with mal intent or anything. It's just, you know, uh, plans. Once you, uh, once you hit reality, uh, you know, there are things that you never account for. Yeah. What questions should I be asking you that I haven't? Um, I, I think, you know, why do I still believe 10 years um, from now uh, or from then and going forward that Nightscope would be successful? And I think it comes down to, to three things that most investors would, would look at. You're looking at, do you have technical risk? Do you have market risk? And do you have execution risk, right? Usually kind of the basic, simple things. And what I look at from a technical standpoint is, Yes, what we're doing is technically very difficult, but we've got it working. Uh, we've operated now, um, you know, well over 2 million hours across the country. Uh, we actually filed our 10K uh, last week. And, you know, we, uh, I think in 2021, we had about, you know, $3.4 million in revenue. Last year, we closed at uh, 5.6. So, you know, 60% plus growth in in revenue uh, and then a, an order, a new order backlog of, you know, well north of uh, a good five, 5.2 or so million dollars. Um, we've been able to execute, you know, you know, be able to get the technology to, to work. Uh, so on the, on the technology side, you know, there's always improvements to be made, but uh, we're operating 24 seven. I think on the market risk and, and this people try to have a hard time getting their head around. Um, market risk is, hey, um, are iPads in or out? Are station wagons coming back? Are we going to use flip phones? Um, is is the metaverse for real or not? Like that's all genuine market risk, right? Right. right. I can assure you that the market for crime is never going to collapse. You're not going to have 332 million Americans wake up tomorrow morning and everyone's going to behave. And we don't need law enforcement agencies or security uh, uh, officers or any of that stuff, everything will just work just fine. Like that's not going to happen. Right. So I, I, we have a recurring revenue business model for a recurring societal problem. And that in and of itself takes a good amount of uh, risk out of the equation. And then the last is execution is, do you have the right people and processes and in, in place? And, and are you making progress? And I can, I'm, I'm proud to say that the the founding management team that you know uh, helped found the company back in in 2013 is literally the same management team that has now grown. 
um, in, in 2023. So um, I, I think we've focused on execution. Uh, could things have gone better? Sure. Uh, but if you look at the long-term opportunities uh, for us to have a recurring revenue business model that's lucrative for a recurring societal problem with a profound new set of technologies that literally can help uh, have a positive impact on society, um, I'm pretty giddy and pretty excited about the future. Yeah, man, I'm excited for you. I mean, uh, robotics, chat, GPT, all that stuff is just, ne it's never been talked about more than, than it is right now. So I just <laughs> get started. This is the funny thing, Jeff, like I get asked like, hey, does Nightscope use AI? And I'm like, how, how do you think you these robots that, by the around way. <laughs> by themselves? Times. How do you think they charge by themselves? How do you think they detect things by themselves? Like, that's the we're the one of the pure plays of actual use of AI in the real world uh, right. in the market. And can, um, can you can your bots can you say how old is Matthew McConaughey? Will, will um, it know? I I, th I think in uh, not too distant future we can do that. the The problem is not the answer; it's the lag. Um, so you got to go up and down uh, from a cellular standpoint, the technical you know uh, latency issue, and then. GPT-4, hopefully five, six, or seven is a lot faster to process it. So you can have a normal dialogue like we're having without the latency is the- Yeah, the you never know. 10 years from now, your bots could be fighting off the, the evil bots. Yeah. It's going to be like that picture behind you on the wall. It's I mean, gonna... a lot of people are like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure this is going to work. Well, go to nightscope.com slash crime, and you can see a very long list of all these positive- things that uh, these machines have already done for, for society. For me, it's 100% for sure it's going to work. No question at all. Um, what what uh, what would be the last little bit of advice, wisdom for the entrepreneurs in the trenches getting kicked in the teeth? What would be that last bit of advice for them? I think one that most founders can't or won't speak about is is uh, there's a lot of focus on PMF, product market fit, product market fit. Like right, most right, right, right. VCs and, and investors will kind of force the company to really, uh, but they have no proper financial incentive to tell the founder to at least have the conversation with themselves or think it through on company to capital fit. Like, where did you get the money to do what uh, you're trying right. to do, Right. Um, you know, in the public markets, if someone buys 5% um, of your shares, you know, emergency, you know, board meeting, crisis communication, like we've got a hostile, you know, activist investor at the doorstep, right? Oof. In the private markets, you know, CEO sells 20% of the company overnight and then, you know, sells a, sends out a celebratory press release after, you know, forking over one or two board seats that were basically purchased. Like, that is not, you know, thoughtful way to do governance and capital formation. In a small amount of cases, it's very valuable to have um, a VC that maybe, I don't know, you're building a social media app and, you know, a bunch of five social media execs that, you know, founded, I don't know, Twitter and Facebook and whatever, been around the block. That capital is extremely valuable. Just sign the term sheet. Give them the couple of board seats, be on your way because you've got capital to company fit. Like yeah. they can lit literally help see around the corner. Mm -hmm. That is not the case for almost every company out there. Right. You know, you've got 
folks that don't understand their proper fiduciary responsibility to all the shareholders, not their preferred, you know, class of stock. Um, and so I, I really encourage for founders to think about where they're going to go raise the money from and make sure that you're doing, you're picking the right kind of capital with the right time frame. Mm -hmm. um, and you think about governance uh, from a long-term perspective, you should not be selling board seats to the highest bidder. Just because someone wrote the largest check in a round does not give them the right, nor do they have possibly the technical or business acumen or right. the right stage of career to be sitting on your board. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one thing to that most folks won't say uh, yeah. out loud. But, you know, I, I held on for the longest of time, you know, during just before the public listing, I was the sole director for, for nine years. And I took a lot of grief for that. And I'm, I'm a hundred percent sure if I would have done the normal process of handing out board seats, the company would have failed a good two, three or four times. Wow. Wow. 